This is Polly, and welcome to our podcast, As Far As I'm Concerned. We're a relatively chill podcast that gives often overlooked students and teachers a platform on which to express their opinions on social issues through a casual format they're comfortable with. Just a bit of background information that we probably should not be telling random strangers on the internet, but that is necessary for sufficient context. We are all private high school students. This is not affiliated with our school in any way and should not be treated as such. So for today's discussion, we have life and career. Let's get started. So to kick off this segment, we would like to talk about your dream life. What would your dream life be like and do you think this is realistic and why is it realistic and why isn't it realistic? Okay, well the dream life is, I guess, to have enough passive income to be the definition of rich and just be able to travel the world buying anything and doing anything. And it's possible. It may not be realistic because the odds of something like that actually happening are pretty, not not very high, but I do think that I should be able to do something at least close to that. Like, I don't really have a concrete idea of a dream life. I just sort of want to be like happy in general, I guess, and like not feel constantly pressured by deadlines or work I have to do. Because like right now, I feel like there's always this urge for me to do some sort of work even when I'm supposed to be having free time. Like I always feel like, oh no, I'm being unproductive. I have to do something. I have to do something. And I just want to not have to feel like that at some point. Relatable much? I was, I felt unproductive during the PSAT because I was bored and it was kind of long. So I was like, I should be doing something productive. But I was taking the PSAT. What is wrong with my brain? I, I definitely hear all of you on not wanting have to have all those deadlines. I, I don't know if I have like a dream life because I could say, oh, I wish I had all this time to just do my hobbies and travel. But I think when I've had long vacations, it there does tend to be a point where I feel like I want to be productive again. So I think having too much of any one thing is um, will probably get me a little bored, but definitely reducing stress. And I would like to have more balance and actually do my hobbies while still being productive. I mean, I guess if we're talking dream, dream life and I want to be a wizard, but like, I feel like that's not the kind of life you're talking about. So I guess, you know, in this world, uh, my dream life would just be I'm pretty happy with where I am now. I just want to be doing something that's worth it, you know, making something of my life, um, helping people, and just in any way possible. It can be something small, but yeah, doing that and then probably living at least somewhat comfortably would be best. I, I think that with those sorts of questions, it's fun to talk about it, but um, at the same time, I think asking it is always kind of assuming that no one's living their dream life, which I think is a little pessimistic. Um, but I, I think all of us probably have something that we enjoy about our lives. I, I don't think my life is the worst. There's actually um, a lot of things I enjoy about what I'm doing. And I'd like to think that if there's anything really terrible that I would change it. Um, but you know, the stress kind of comes with any job and sometimes it's cyclical, like, Right now it's busier, but I know that I'll have some breaks and, and that's something to look forward to. But that's probably true of most things. And if my job weren't so stressful, it would probably be boring. And I, I don't think I would like that either. Yeah. yeah. 
You, you really have a point with a stressful, boring duality. It's you're like, you're chasing the balance, but there are like two extremes for me. And then one of them is, oh my God, I am so bored. I have nothing to do. I am just dying. And then the other extreme is, oh my God, I have too much to do, make it all go away. And I think that's just relatable for everyone. Yeah, yeah I feel like in general, my life or like my personality, is the kind of thing where I'm always at one extreme or the other, which on an unrelated note is why I can't take care of plants well, but we're not talking about that right now. So yeah, when I'm stressed, I'm really stressed and miserable. And then when I have nothing to do, I start getting anxiety because there always feels like I, there's something I need to be doing right now. Yeah, I think like our attitude towards our life can sometimes change as we grow up and as we are in different phases of our life or even like different times of the day, or even like different days of the week. Like probably on Mondays, most of us probably think our life isn't that great. But if it's like a Friday, then you probably are like, feel much better than you would on a Monday, most likely. And on the topic of dream life, do you guys think that a lot of dream life surround are like surrounded with like materialistic things such as like living in a mansion having a lot of money do you think it's possible that someone dreams of a life where they are poor and struggling to survive i mentioned being rich this feels strangely targeted since no one else mentioned that okay but the thing is i guess dream lives are different and there's one extreme where people judge other people for like thinking they can still be happy while being poor and are just materialistic and chasing that. But then there's the other extreme where people are like, I can be happy even if I don't have money and all of that, right? And I don't think it's either of those. And I think, I mean, it could be either of those, but it's likely not either of those. And I think there are people who lean to a certain end of the spectrum and that's just what they want for their lives. And maybe that'll change if they realize that what they want isn't truly gonna make them happy. It's very subjective, I think but it has a lot to do with like your current living conditions because I feel like everyone wants what they don't have right now and it's very subject subjective to say whether what they want is like truly better or worse than their current situation so personally I think having a lot of money wouldn't necessarily be the one thing that would make my life great or anything this is very interesting to be saying as a private school student because yeah but like having a big house and all of that that's not the only thing that's necessary to make your life happy like sure it could you know improve your quality of life to some extent for some people but it in my opinion at least for me that wouldn't be all i want I think there's a difference between like having money and financial security because like hypothetically you could have all the money in the world and still not get the stuff you need you uh, because money isn't always the only thing restricting you restricting people from their needs right it could be a, a the basis of location it could be on the basis of i don't know something like uh politics what country you live in so um I think you do need some amount of money for financial security and I would say most people, not all people, but most people would want some level of financial security in order to be happy just because it gives you that level of, okay, even if I mess this up, I 
I still have something to fall back on. I don't need to worry that much about what I'm doing. I would agree with that. I, I, I think it is more about financial security and not being, not having to worry about not being able to feed yourself or that you might not have a place to live. Um, there, I, I used to joke, because there's that saying that money can't buy happiness. And I used to joke that, well, money doesn't buy sadness either. <laughs> but I actually, if I think about it, I do think money can bring a lot of stress. Um, and uh, there's studies done on like actually how much money do people need? Because we know that there are other places that the whole country isn't technically poverty, but obviously people find ways to have happiness. Um, but the ceiling for how much money people actually need, I think it's kind of low. It's like 150,000. I, I don't want to throw out numbers because I might be wrong, but it's actually lower than what people think. And sometimes, yeah, I, I, I fantasize about what if I won the lottery? Like, it sounds wonderful to have just all these millions of dollars fall into your lap. But if I think about it reasonably, my first thing would actually be I would need to make all my personal information private. I would need to hire security. I would need to change my name because my name is so unique. There's only one of me in the whole world. Like I would have to do all these things because there's also these horror stories about people who end up getting a lot of money and then they end up getting targeted or random relatives <laughs> come out and they want your, you know, they want something from you. And I think there's a lot of questioning then about who's actually a real friend. And so I think there can be a lot of stress in either direction. So for me, um, it seems like that balance of having some financial security and you can have that without having a lot of money, but being able to care for yourself and for your family is probably the most important thing. And then after that, it's making better choices, I guess, about what hobbies and entertainment you have, because that's where a lot of the money goes into. Yeah, there's that always that thing where it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it, but like when you're paranoid in the middle of the night, and this happened to me a lot, like when I was little, I'd be paranoid in the middle of the night that something was going to happen. And then I just re like rationalize out of it. Like, why would anyone, why would anything happen to you? It's not even like there's anything about you that would make you a target for anything like that. Right. I guess it happens more to, it doesn't happen to rich people as much as famous people. But then again, if you are rich, there's a way to get famous through that. And there's that. And then there's another thing that I think you said that I wanted to address. And that was like the idea of financial security and kind of just like winning the lottery. I think people who win the lottery don't usually stay rich. And the reason for that, I think, is I've read a lot about like how people who are rich got rich. And it's mostly through passive income, which I mentioned. and. That's kind of like where you have a constant money cycle. A lot of people, it's it's a whole asset thing, but people who are rich probably knew how to get rich and they know how to stay rich. So that's like a whole different mindset almost. It's a different kind of, a different form of thinking and they're probably prepared for like everything that comes with that. While people who are just looking for financial security may think of it differently than the people who are rich actually do. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right with that because the people who are spending money to buy lotto tickets probably are not, I mean, the, I, I don't want to go too far off track, but yeah, the lotto isn't for people who spend money sensibly, right? Um, the, that, that's why sometimes it's referred to as a poor, the, the poor people tax, um, because the people who tend to spend a lot of money on it may not be so mindful. Um, but going back to the idea of happiness, something else um, 
that I try to do is practice gratitude. And I know it sounds very hippy dippy, but there's actually been studies done on this, that being able to express gratitude and appreciate people and what you have and everything does lead to more happiness because then if you don't do that, it doesn't matter what you have. If, if you're not thankful for what you have, you're always going to want more. And and that's where a lot of unhappiness, I think, comes from, is when you don't feel like you have control over your life and there's always something you want or need. Yeah, on the topic of like not having, you feel like you're kind of lacking in life. I feel like most people have like this need to kind of always imagine a better life than what they currently have almost. Like they always have the need to want more. So do you sometimes think that thinking about your dream life as in a life that you're not currently living is a positive thing to do or can it make you feel more disappointed with your current life? Does it encourage you to strive to achieve that life or does it make you feel more disappointed? Well, for me personally, it's actually interesting because my dreams are my goals for life. And I'm kind of right now figuring out the way to kind of get where I want to go. So mostly it's just motivation for me because I'm like, I want to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it. And I I have to say, I'm usually pretty confident in my abilities to get where I want to go. So it's almost solely motivation. But in times where I suddenly get hit by a little bit of self-doubt, it might be a little bit tough to be like, I want this, but what if there's, what if I don't get it? What if I die without achieving this? In those specific cases, it, it hurts a little bit, but those are super rare, at least for me. Might be different for others who have self-doubt more or like think differently. Yeah, I guess um, for me, it's like um, a lot of my dream life uh, I guess would be more about taking care of the people I have in my life and since people are just such a subjective topic um, I would say thinking about my dream life can make things a bit harder sometimes since you know what the people you have in your mind aren't aren't gonna be the people that are actually around you and you need to like because uh, a relationship is a two ways you know you got to be able to talk to people you got, they got to be able to talk back and if your dream life is based around the people you have around you it's not going to end up looking quite what you quite what you think it is in your head it's going to be um more it's it's going to change over time and uh your the sense of your dream life is going to change over time i think it depends on what your dream life is honestly like for me i don't have a concrete sense of what i want my dream life to be besides like you know no deadlines not as much stress and like not feeling like um i have to be productive every second of my life well thinking about that could make me feel worse in my current situation because i don't really know how to get there it's like not a tangible concept so thinking about the idea that i could have that but not being able to have it right now would probably not be very productive oh that's ironic me talking about wanting to not be productive every minute okay anyway um yeah it really depends on what you consider your dream life to be and I'm so glad you mentioned that not productive thing that like dreaming about your dream life without actually doing anything towards it isn't productive but sometimes you just got to have some motivation you know I do think the idea of some concrete dream life that exists is unhealthy because it it paints it as though there's 
this end point, which means that once you get there, that's the peak of your life. And I think that's so unhealthy because that means that the rest of your life is just going downhill. Like, what, what are you doing after that? Um, I, I think it's more important to have goals. And that's such a natural thing for humans to need because we, we all need to work toward something, um, no matter how big or small that is. And so um, I think that there's a lot of things that we would want to pivot and course correct within our lives. But I'm, I'm hoping that none of us have, um, I, I, I know that there are some people out there who have incredibly um, difficult lives who are very much suffering, but I'm thinking about extreme situations. You know, they're living in a war-torn country, they're they're in poverty, they're starving. I, I think for them, it is an escape from their current life. And I never looked at it that way. And, and I think, because um, I, I don't think I, I've been very lucky to never have wanted to escape from my life, but maybe wanting to change certain things about it. Um, the other thing too is that it's hard to know what exactly is, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I could say, well, this is what I want because it's different than what I have now, but that doesn't mean I'm going to really appreciate it as much once I actually get it because I could say, yeah, having this job sounds great, but I don't have that job now. And once we actually get ourselves to a place where we are achieving our goals, just sometimes we find out that what we've achieved and what we have, it might not be what we want. So I, I think that it's part of the pro it's the process that matters, not thinking that there's this, like, if I have this, then, then my life is complete. And um, I, I feel like my life is complete now, but that doesn't mean that there aren't goals that I'm chasing because there definitely are. I know I keep talking, but you make a good point about the what happens after your goal is at the high point of your life. And I think chronically setting goals is another thing we probably all deal with. Like set a goal, get to the goal, but that's not enough, is it? So now you have to set another goal and that's a big deal because you can never really appreciate where you are, right? And yeah, I, I, I just think that that's a good point and i don't it, for me the goals kind of just feed my ambition in a way but i guess the real goal when we're all probably going to be happy is after achieving all those goals finally like realizing that you're never going to be happy if you keep chasing them which is hard but like that's actually another thing i've been talking i mean i've been thinking about like College admissions are a big deal, like when you're in high school and you're probably thinking about them a lot. But then it's, it's, I've always thought like, oh, I'll be super relieved after I just finally get into a college and figure it out. But then after that, there's going to be like internship admissions and job admissions and then work stuff that I need to turn in and maybe the next job and climbing the corporate ladder. And it's never going to end. So like this entire way of thinking is unhealthy and you kind of need to snap out of it. I, I think I, I, I want to politely disagree with one thing you said. I don't think chasing goals necessarily is unhealthy. And I think that people can be happy with their life and also have something that they're constantly working towards. And I do think having that mindset is healthy because all of us should continue to want to improve something in our lives or grow in some way. And I think that once we stop doing that, we actually become stagnant and that is where um, you know, uh, for a lot of people, the will to live comes from having something to work towards. And and 
Sure, it could be a, a very large thing like a career, but it can also be something such as you want to learn how to cook this meal or, or there's this place you want to visit. Um, I do think it's it's healthy to have those sorts of goals, but that doesn't mean that you can't be happy with what you have. It just means that you recognize that there are other things out there to explore. Um, I And then I think one thing we haven't really talked about is um, happiness coming from having goals, but then making sure it's not coming from a place of comparing ourselves to others. Cause I do think that's where a lot of unhappiness comes from, right? Where it's like, oh, somebody else is living the dream life we have, but that's just cause we see what they want to show. We don't actually know how they're living, but that sort of comparison is where I think we're getting into that unhealthy, unhappy mindset. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is like a good segue into our next topic, which is um, you discussed this thing of like comparing your life to other lives which may seem to be perfect and this tends to happen quite often on social media especially because people tend to project this sort of perfect life even though that may not be what is going on in the background and do you think that this is positive like a good behavior does it have a good impact on people or does it have a negative impact and why do you think people try to project their life so perfectly it's it's like looking for approval looking for validation look at me look at how awesome i am why don't you guys want this i want validation for my perfect life even though it's not quite perfect and i think everyone is guilty of this I, we've been saying a lot of everyone deals with this and that may not be true but honestly for this i'm pretty sure everyone at some point has looked for validation maybe not even in ways that they on like realize like posting on instagram but in other ways there's always going to be something like that and well it discourages people who are busy comparing but it seems like that's the same problem with them as well these people are posting because they want validation those people are kind of comparing themselves and being depressed because like they don't feel like what they have is good enough they want more and validation behind that it's the same concept they don't feel like good enough so they want other people to kind of affirm them and, and they just want more i don't know it seems like the same kind of thinking so if you snap out of that it shouldn't be discouraging it's only discouraging if that's the kind of behavior you're exhibiting in the first place yeah i definitely agree and like the idea of people looking for attention like no matter what kind of attention they just want attention they might want people to be like jealous that they have such a good life or something similar i'm not sure if this exactly counts as the perfect life thing but um the idea of people constantly posting like all the pictures on social media are either photoshopped or like the people in the photo have a lot of makeup on to show that they're like they appear perfect and flawless as well and i think that in itself could be very damaging because children they will grow up and only see photos like that and they'll just assume that everyone else looks that perfect and flawless and then they'll feel like something is wrong with their own appearance so it sets a pretty unhealthy image for children, if nothing else. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like this whole, I, for children especially, because um, I mean, for us as well, because we've kind of grown up with social media, right? We've kind of grown up with this 
perfect life, perfect, perfect image ideal around us. And um, I think there's also a change in the way um, people talk about social media now that I've noticed as I've gotten older. When I was younger, there was a lot more um, emphasis on, hey, this isn't real. Don't think, I don't think that is, right? I, I, I mean, this isn't real. Don't think it is. Be safe on the internet. Whereas now on the internet, I feel like the average age demographic is just getting younger. And a lot of these kids didn't get the same internet education as we did as a young age. They don't really process the fact that they don't have this constant reminding that um, this isn't real. Don't think it is. Don't stress yourself out over this. And they may get that from like external sources um, as they get older. But a lot of uh, younger kids just didn't get that education to begin with and social social media feels more real and you know this hurts their mental health a lot they get a different view of like how life is how life should be and you know it can make themselves insecure they can feel bringing back the idea of a, of a dream life they can feel more insecure um that they're not living their dream life they can have unrealistic expectations which really hurt people yeah i i'm probably on the same page with the rest of you social media is usually used to show the highlight reel of people's lives and i think that when people are younger um children and, and young teens they don't mm, there's still a lot of development that needs to happen right but even for adults um it's so easy to fall into a trap of well, what I see is everything about that's per that person's life, but that's not the case at all. Um, it's kind of in human nature to not really share a lot of the mundane. Like think about what we see in the news and, and what people post on social media. I know on my Facebook, I, I don't make posts like, oh, it's another day of my toilet not breaking. <laughs> you know, no one stole anything from me today. Like those things aren't really interesting. Um, and so, but at the same time, I think social media can be fine if, people can reframe how they look at it and instead of oh this person has a perfect life and oh i'm so jealous instead look at it as like here's my way of getting a glimpse into their life and oh it's so great for them that they can do all these things um the other thing too i i think some of you have mentioned it affects how we perceive what is normal right because if we see these images over and over again especially with like people heavily made up and and photoshopped and whatever we start to think that's normal and that makes us feel like we are so abnormal because none of us look like that uh, I, i'm sure those people don't even look like that in real life because of how how doctored their photos are um and i i used to wear a lot of makeup and then some somewhere i don't know maybe like eight years ago, something like that. I stopped wearing makeup daily because I also wanted my students to see what I looked like without makeup. Cause I thought it was important to kind of normalize that. And I have like a middle ground now where it's like, I, I wear a little bit, but not like full coverage. And, and I think um, not needing that kind of validation is also really important. And I know some of you have mentioned that too. It's like social media is for validation and there is something about it triggering whatever, right? Serotonin or whatever reward centers we have when we get all those likes. Um, but our self-worth shouldn't come from the number of likes we have, but we feel like, oh, that's quantifiable. So therefore it's more valid than our loved ones telling good things or even just us thinking, thinking highly of ourselves. Um, 
I think there's that pro of creating community. It can work, but there's that big con too of like, well, people can be keyboard warriors and, and it's easier to say and do things when you're hidden behind a keyboard. And then there are also some people who maybe shouldn't find a community. And I mean, people who are like really racist and really bigoted and before social media, they might've been the only person in their city or it, it was people who had these unpopular, really hateful ideas. Um, they would stand out in stark contrast to everybody else, but now people can find like-minded individuals, which can be good unless you're somebody who's really hateful. Then you find other hateful people and you start to think, oh, it's okay, we're all normal. So um, I think ultimately social media as a tool and how we use it can be beneficial, but obviously there's a lot of downsides, especially when it comes to children and, and younger folks. Yeah, definitely. We mentioned like in a previous episode about technology that it's like it all depends on how you use it. And yeah, def- social media definitely sets these like unrealistic expectations for people. And I think it depends on how you view it. Like whether you can see that you understand like it's as you mentioned before, it's just like a highlight reel or if you think that it's kind of like the whole person's life, basically. And do you think that like most people in their lives would strive for comfort or would they strive for greatness, such as like being an influencer on social media? Because when you are like becoming a celebrity, although like becoming a celebrity sounds really fabulous, you have to consider that you lose a lot of privacy. Like you have paparazzi following you. And do you think that most people would want to choose that kind of life over maybe a life that would be considered normal, like you have a job, uh, you don't really, like not that many people know your name, like you're not famous. What kind of life do you think most people would choose? Well, I don't really say this to many people because it comes off as kind of egotistical, but I can't really stand the idea of just having a normal life. Well, not to trash nine to five jobs or anything, but I can't really stand the idea of just being that, taking care of your family and kind of being satisfied with that. I really want to like make some kind of change, you know, get that Wikipedia page. That's my ambition in life. I have a Wikipedia page dedicated to me. But really, though, I want to do something like noteworthy and stand out. That that might be just me, though. I don't know. As for, I go to a private school, right? We all do. And what from what I've seen, most people there basically agree with me. But that just might be the environment or reason or the type of people I interact with. So I don't know. It could be both. I guess it depends on the person. Um, so I think it's definitely very subjective. As for being a celebrity, I think we covered this in the music section already, but like the idea of celebrities basically not being able to have a personal life anymore because of all the fans and all the attention they get and them sort of being forced to keep up a persona at all times. Personally, I don't think it's worth it. As for being, like, as for greatness, it depends on what kind of greatness you're talking about. Um, But being a celebrity or something similar, I would definitely not choose that. I would would choose, like, a normal life over that anytime. But, like, I don't know. Stuff like the Nobel Prize, that would be different. When it comes to... The idea of greatness. Um, I, I I think one, it's that 
this is a tough pill to swallow kind of fact. The reality is that the vast majority of people are going to be average. And that sounds so distasteful <laughs> to so many people. And I, and I think especially for people who um, have some sort of privilege in their lives. And, and I think that probably applies to all of us here. Privilege in the sense, not necessarily that our lives have been easy, but in that we haven't had to really struggle to, to have food or shelter, you know, all the basic necessities. But when we look at greatness, right? Um, being famous and, and being that one person who did this. Um, I, I think a lot of that comes from the protagonist mentality. Think about all the stories we read and all that, right? Um, it's all about the protagonist, what they do, their call to adventure, that sort of thing. Um, I think that it is still possible to have greatness depending on how big you, you want to conceive your world to be. So for example, if you're thinking about being great in the United States or internationally, that's when we're talking about, you know, discovering something new, getting the Nobel Peace Prize and all of that. But I think it's also important to consider how much impact you have around those um, you have to those around you and that you could be great within a smaller community and that is still important. And so I'm sure that, I mean, even now, occasionally I'll fantasize like, oh, what what if I were president of the United States? Like, you know, that would be so wonderful, first Asian American female. Um, but that sort of stuff comes with a lot of stress and a lot of responsibilities. I'm gonna lose a lot of privacy as, a, as an individual. And that is something I really value. Um, there's also a lot of things we don't see about people who have those lives. Um, and I think we are at a point where people are sharing that stuff more, right? Famous people who share mental health issues. And some of the stuff that they go through is really scary. Getting stalked, having all these people hate you who don't even know you. There's that other side too of having people love you, but also some of sometimes that turns into scary things as well. So. I think it's important to scale up and down what is considered to be great and, and think about impact as being important, no matter how big or small the impact is. I, I, I think that if I could impact one student, that is also important. And it, it is important just like if I were to impact, I don't know, national policy, that's obviously a much bigger impact. but. Is one better than the other? Not really, because maybe that one child really needed somebody. And I, I, I think that's something I've had to think about and reconcile as I've gotten older is where do I want my impact? And, and is having this huge thing where people really know me, is that something I really want? And maybe not because that sounds a little scary to me. I, I would rather be able to keep as much of my privacy as possible. Something to be said about like anonymous greatness, you know, like a greatness where you're not known for, or you aren't known, but the things you do are known. And I think for a lot of people, that would be the ideal existence rather than them being known because it avoids a lot of the um, potential mental health negative effects, right? Being stalked, having this sort of constant pressure, this constant focus on you. Uh, and I'm sure there's also pressure about uh, doing more things, uh, helping more people, but it would be, uh, but the pressure isn't on you. It's kind of on your organization or the things you do. So um, the ideal existence, I guess, is something that affects a lot of people, but doesn't really give you yourself like um, that much focus. You are, you, your merits are known, the things you do are known, but you yourself don't, aren't faced with the same scrutiny that a lot of celebrities are. We all know about like Einstein and everything that he's done, 
but this could also be because he's dead now, but I feel like most people wouldn't like go around hanging, I don't know, maybe like hanging pictures of Einstein in their bedroom and like spending hours staring at it or like admiring him, you know, like people admire his achievements a lot. And I think that is another like point of greatness is also what you do, because if you're just famous without having really achieved anything, you don't feel like you've made an actual impact, then is it really worth it? Actually, about the um, just admiring for his achievement, that's its own whole problem, like objectification. And I don't mean this in like the typical ways like women are objectified. I'm thinking like objectification, like you are your achievements, you're not a person, you're just a thing for us to kind of admire and be like, oh, I want to be that guy, that guy is my role model. And you're not considered as a person with your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your own insecurities and all that. And you just objectify and that's a whole another problem with that, with anyone famous, honestly. And like I think someone said, they can, people who don't know them will just hate them without realizing that they're a real person and not just an abstract concept for them to direct their hate at. And that can hurt. Yeah, definitely. And so kind of moving on from that, we are now going to talk about careers. And a lot of people may struggle to trying to figure out what career they should do, like kind of what we were just talking about, if you decide if you want to try to become a celebrity or not. And do you believe that choosing a career path early is necessarily a good thing to do? And do you think that a career path can change later on in life? And should this be viewed positively or negatively? I mean, I guess uh, shoes both are fine. For me, it's I chose it. I, I know what I'm gonna do. I know how I'm gonna do it. And I know I know basically my life plan. For others, that might not be the case, and that's fine because everyone has their own path and they can figure it out as they go along. Like I don't know, for my sister, for example, I guess she might not be that interested in choosing a career. She just wants to do what she likes and what she's good at, which is maybe sports for her like softball and if she, that's what she wants to do that's fine she doesn't have to choose anything or work towards anything and it's it's just up to the person and what that person's preferences are and while i'm at it i'm gonna rant about the college system a little bit because i really 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 hate the idea that you have to choose a career path you have to dedicate yourself to something and have a spike to get into college right because some people don't know what they want to do and some people maybe figured it out too late and some people want to explore their other interests and it's just the whole process has gotten so competitive and so just doggy dog that that's the only way that colleges can really tell a difference and I understand that but it's still just really really hard when people have been doing like have been pushed into doing something since they were four and that's what gives them their advantage even though they aren't even interested in whatever that is and I feel like colleges are just promoting the exact opposite culture than they should be. But I got a little off topic, I digress. <laughs> On the topic of, I guess, uh, choosing a career and all that when you're younger, um, in other, there are other countries where as part of your high school track, you choose already what you want to focus on and then there's kind of a seamless transition between high school and college obviously that's not the system we have set up here which is why it makes it more challenging i think going into college um i do think it's a lot of pressure to tell someone who's a teenager hey decide what you want to do now for the next 50 years of your life and don't mess up <laughs> there's so much pressure there i also think that that's not the right way to go about it um 
I mean, re really quickly on, on the whole college thing, um, part of the perception of scarcity and competition has to do with the idea it has to do with the fact that so many people place value in like 20 schools, right? It's like the IB schools and whatever, UC Berkeley, but you know, UC Merced, who cares about them? State schools, we're not even gonna look at them. So there, there's a lot of elitism and, and a lot of attitude about like, well, this school is the best. And yeah, if you think there's only 20 good schools, then it's, there is scarcity. But if you look at it more as there's a lot that's out there and, and and it's my job as a human to live my fullest life, then you're gonna be a lot more open-minded. Um, not to say you can't specialize. I, I think that there are some people who find what they like early on in life and that's what they pursue. And I think that's wonderful. But there are also plenty of people, and I, I was one of those people. I liked a lot of things, and I had a really hard time choosing what I wanted to study and wanted to do because I felt like if I chose one thing, I would be slamming shut all the other doors. But as I got older and I met more people, I realized like, no, I can have a job, but also do all these other things, have projects and hobbies, be part of a lot of different communities. That stuff doesn't have to change. Also, careers do change. Our lives most likely aren't going to be linear um, and for some people it is and that's wonderful and um, but if it's not that's also not a problem i i think that there are statistics out about you know the average adult changes their life or changes their career like four times in their life or something like that i've changed my job multiple times but kind of still within education um and I think that's all very normal, but there are other jobs and, and other career aspirations. I, I feel like, oh, if I wanted to, I could definitely pivot, but it, it would be really, really hard. But my husband made a big career change in his thirties and that was difficult, but doable. And I think we need to be open to the idea that we can have interests, but we should be open-minded and constantly learn. And that's where we find new things that we're interested in. Like when I was in high school, there are all these jobs and all these majors I had no idea existed because we don't talk about that in high school. I guess I might as well talk about that whole college issue. I guess for me, it's probably, I mean, for us in a private school in general, that's a big deal, but, and there are also like specific careers. Like for example, I'm thinking I'm gonna go into consulting after undergrad and they recruit from like specific schools UC Berkeley, not UC Merced, for example, they recruit from certain schools, certain good schools, and then basically no one from the other schools. If you're in one of those schools, it's going to be almost impossible for you to get a job like that because you have to go put yourself in front of those recruiters. So that's its whole issue. On and and it's like you you get opportunities that you're not going to get in other places. And I guess that's a matter of the school system and making that more fair. But it's just you know, tough to like, when you've been thinking this way for your whole life and when everything you see around you confirms it, it's kind of tough to believe that other schools, state schools are just as good as, well, they're not just as good, but like state schools are fine and will lead you to where you want to go. Yeah, and there's, it's also something to be said about this being a sort of dated system. This is the same as the system it was 50 years ago and information was just a lot more scarce. It was. It was harder to learn, it was harder to pick up new skills just because, you know, information is expensive. You didn't have so much to do, so much to learn at your fingertips. And now I think um, your education, a lot of the uh, prestige that comes from Ivy schools is goes beyond just the education you get. It's also the 
merit that comes with it. But for a lot of us, for something, for for learning uh, smaller skills or skills that aren't quite as learning intensive, you can learn things online just as well as you can learn them in a lot of these um, greater schools. Or there's a there's a system of doing your general education in a community colleges before you go to Ivy Leagues at because you um, want to uh, because for either expense reasons or because um, it's closer to home and that shouldn't be looked down on either right because you can get a fine education you just won't get the same merit that you'll get from Ivy Leagues and I think it's also important to recognize that all jobs have value they may not be suitable for you personally, but you can't have a society that's completely made up of scientists. You know, who's going to do the cooking? <laughs> who's going to do the farming? Who's going to repair stuff when things break? Um, and for me, I primarily went to public school. I went to private school for like a year. Um, and then I did go to a Cal State school. And I think my education was wonderful. There are still plenty of like connections that I have. I look back on my experiences and, but that's also, you know, keep in mind, I didn't just go to my classes. I was incredibly involved. I did a lot of things um, with networking and with leadership. I was involved with local politics. And so it is much more than just where you go. It's what do you do with the opportunities you have? And it's important to remember that you know, some, somebody who goes to an Ivy League isn't naturally a smarter person. And it doesn't mean they're naturally of more value or that they can benefit society better. Um, I don't feel like I'm deprived or that I've had less of a life because I didn't have, you know, an Ivy League name attached to my degree. Um, but I also was born the person I was born. I was somebody who enjoyed learning. And I think that is a common thing I've noticed in people who are successful. It's not about natural talent. Sorry. Um, it's not about natural talent. It's not about, um, you know, having big name stuff. It's more about hard work. And it's more about, um, are you going in with curiosity and trying to learn and trying to be better? Because somebody who doesn't have that attitude, even if they have all the opportunities thrown at them, they're not going to do anything with it. Um, I think it's important for us to still value the big variety of jobs that are out there that, you know, for instance, if you care about money, then go to a vocational school. You can get a lot of, you can get a six figure salary if you do like, you know, HVAC or you do anything mechanical, right? Um, but again, that might not be for you, but we can't devalue these sorts of experiences. There, there There's no ideal experience. It's just what what is good for you. Yeah, definitely. People are gonna spend such a large majority of their life doing whatever job they're doing that it would be really unfortunate if someone was stuck in a job that they didn't enjoy. Like imagine waking up every day having to go to a job and doing something that you didn't like the entire day and then having to do that again the next day for weeks, for years without end. And yeah, it can be really hard to decide your career, but I think it's definitely feasible to want to change your career because people go through so many changes in life that it's almost impossible, I would say, that your interests are gonna be entirely the same now as they will be in like 20 years. So talking about career, how do you think is the best way, or what do you think is the best way to balance your work life with your social life? And what is the perfect balance? And will there ever really be like a perfect balance? 
Well, during quarantine, I learned the hard way that working for six months straight without seeing people other than my family in person will make me explode and be very irritable and other stuff like that. Plus, just getting hyper anytime I saw anyone or interacting with anyone, which happened a lot. It was not fun. And yeah, there was that whole thing. So as a private school student, this is a very strange question to answer because I virtually do not have a social life. But, um, well, it is important to maintain a work and social life balance like as much as it's possible to do that. In my current case, I don't really think it's very possible, but it would be ideal. That said, in general, most people like in this society in particular are like at an extreme where they have to work long hours and don't really have much time to spend with their friends. And it's kind of a general societal problem. And I'm going to go off topic with this a little bit, but sometimes people say oh it's because of phones and technology that like people are growing more apart but it's not really like i think the lack of work life balance has more to do with it than technology if anything it's gonna say like a social life it also ends up being kind of um who you prioritize as well because there are points where you have to choose between talking to your family or talking to your friends and you know that's not that's not a great decision that's not something a decision you want to have to make uh, and it's either of those and let's say like between talking to your family talking to your friends and working you have to pick two out of the three so I feel like for a lot of people um uh family and work becomes a priority but you also need to like um relax sometimes in order to just keep up your mental health, right? Regarding work-life balance, there was a piece, one piece of really great advice I got was to think about work-life balance in the long term, not necessarily that every single moment of your life you're gonna have work-life balance, but that maybe right now your life is more focused on work because you're gonna take a longer vacation later on. And this is something that I think about because, and I hate that this is something that women get asked a lot more than, than men do, but like if I wanna have children, Right? What am I going to do with my career? Where, where's that balance? But the balance is not going to be in every moment if I have a child. Like, I'm going to be a really good mom and I'm going to be a really good employee and I'm going to be a really good friend. Sometimes we just have to focus on one thing and the balance is at the end of a year or the end of five years, What, whatever that looks like. And so for me with my work right now, I don't have work-life balance. <laughs> it's a weekend and I'm still working. Um, but I know that I am going to be super stressed out for the next couple of months because after like January, February, work is gonna slow down a little bit. So my balance is in a one year cycle. It's not day to day and that's okay. Um, but for some of you, yeah, it, it might be really stressful now and it might be really stressful for like maybe a few more years, um, but the balance will come eventually. And I think thinking about it that way really helped me. Yeah, there is this whole idea of, you know, uh, we work a lot now in school so we can get a job and you know, not have to, um, uh, we work a lot now so that we can get a good job. And if we get a good job, we can earn a lot of money so we can retire early, which means we have to work less later, right? Um, 
but I guess I have to disagree with you a little bit on the topic of a year cycle because there is this concept of living in the moment as well, right? You can't put all of your hopes of relaxation into the future. You have to take some of it within like your day or your week. Um, working crazily for a year and then uh, just turning, just working like not as much for maybe another year isn't the greatest balance either. I mean, for me personally, because uh, my mental health or, you know, even my physical health with the lack of exercise would be so messed up by that, by those few years of intense work that um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't quite be as effective as a daily work-life balance. Yeah, I, I actually do agree with what you what you just said, and I think I should re like I should clarify. Um, it's not necessarily going to one extreme. Like I'm going to just work for 20 hours a day. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to do this. But having a true balance where perhaps like I get to do everything I enjoy and I get to do work. For me, that's what I'm thinking of work life balance as an ideal. Um, but I can have more stressful times of work and realize, well, I'm just gonna have to sacrifice some things right now. I don't have to sacrifice everything, but just some things. And, and I think about my husband who did a career shift, which was really hard because he was going into tech, um, but it took about three years before he, um, you know, that's with education and trying different jobs and all stuff. Um, it took about three years before he had a steady um, employment. And so in that, that was a conversation we had to have, like, what are we going to do during that time? So the balance comes later. Um, but I, I do agree. It is not healthy to completely be a slave to your job. I, I think you have to have some of the other things, but maybe just not as much as you want to have. I, on that note, I also think that the thing Beach said about like working straight for one year, that that is going to cause a lot of stress. That's going to mess up everything for you. like. I assume we all want to live, right? So just working straight for one year without like any breaks peppered in is going to be really tough on both your mental and your physical health. So it, it's probably not the best. But I do think that for work-life balance is just important to find time, find downtime occasionally, like maybe once a month is the sweet spot. It depends on the person actually. Maybe for some people, once a year, once a day, all of that. So now to conclude this episode, we're going to have kind of an advice column from Ms. Fong to some of the students at our school and just students in general to anyone who's listening. So what are some of your, what's some of your general advice for our future in terms of both work and well-being? Oh boy, no pressure. So one quote that I, I live by a lot of different quotes. <laughs> One quote though that really matters to me that I try to remember is don't let perfect for, eh, let's try again, cut. <laughs> One quote I live by that I think it's important for everybody, students and adults to think about is don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, sometimes we don't put a lot of value in what we've done or we get so caught up in negativity or we spend a lot of time doing this one thing because we're trying to make it perfect or we have this idealized version of what things should be when the reality is that we should constantly be working towards something it's it's all about the the process the other thing that i think is important for as general advice is to be a lifelong learner and to be curious 
And that is, a, it's important to be curious about a lot of things, about not just the field that you're in, but be curious about other people, be curious about things that you know nothing about. Um, we all, I think for a lot of us, we want to be interesting people, but I've noticed that the most interesting people are the ones who are interested. And if you are interested in a lot of things and um, in ideas and in others, you will automatically become interesting. The other thing too is to realize that all things are temporary. And I know that can sound very depressing in some ways, but it's more intended to be uplifting. Um, that these moments that are painful that um because you're stressed out or even if you're let's say you're working out right that's something painful too but pain and struggle these are all temporary and for us to keep that in mind that there is going to be a change in our lives at some point so even thinking i mean if you all think back to middle school i'm sure that there were things for you in seventh grade it seemed like the end of the world because it was for you at that time. But for you being older now, looking back on it, you're like, oh, it's like nothing now. And and think about five years from now, your your high school life will be, um, will be a memory. But because things are temporary, that also makes us appreciate things a lot more, realizing that it may not linger. That makes us appreciate the people we have, the friendships we have, when we travel, when we get to have these experiences because they're not going to last the hope is that it is something you're going to appreciate more. I also would encourage our students specifically because it is a private school with a lot of um, students who are Asian and Indian and whose families come from certain cultural values and, and may put certain pressures on those students. I would encourage you to continue finding out who you are and um, as much as you can um, continue to explore and go beyond as much as you can these pressures that are put on you. I, I think that if you're constantly trying to live up to other people's expectations, your life will be really unhappy. And it's important instead to um, be helpful and contribute and explore and um, find happiness on your own, not just uh, what you're being told has value. Yeah, and kind of along the lines of that as well, what do you think is like a common mistake or misconception that you see that many students make about their future career or their future work life? Yeah, so one is when making choices as a student in middle school and high school and choosing things because you think it sounds impressive because, oh, it's from Stanford, oh, or, or oh, is this, is this prestigious? That's actually not helpful. And that has to do with perceived value, which I think is really indicative of our community. Um, but that actually is going to work against you when it comes time, for example, to do college essays. So a lot of these college essays have to do with demonstrating your character and your values. But if you think about it, if all you've done your middle school and high school years is do what other people have told you to do, or why did you do this? I did this because it has a big name. That says nothing about your character or your values, <laughs> besides the fact that maybe you're a little materialistic or superficial, right? Which is not a very flattering perspective, but you're gonna get, you're gonna have such a hard time then when it comes to these essays and interviews where people are trying to figure out, well, who are you? And if you've, if you've lived your life just being somebody who did what somebody else told you to do, 
Um, and, and I'm not saying completely be a rebel. I, I, I think that there's a lot of importance in having rules and boundaries. Um, but explore and and don't don't buy into the the big name stuff. You know, there is a lot of benefit with capitalism, but there's also a downside. And, and it's that we, um, you know, when we look at these ivies and everything, they're still a business. They're in the business of education, but they're also in the business of just literally getting a lot of money. So try not to get sucked into that. Yeah, and on the page of kind of like college and college admission, what is some, I know college admission is such a like detailed and complex area to talk about, but what are some of your kind of general recommendations on applying to college? And even beyond that, what can we expect going into college? Oh boy, that that is such a huge question. So in terms of college application, like I've said with a lot of other things, it's really important to keep an open mind. So part of the what you need to do is spend a lot of time doing research. And um, there's a lot of tools that we give to our students. So SCORE is a really, really great tool to utilize. So use the search tool, explore lots of different schools. Think about more than just the brand name, but where is the school located? Who are the faculty members? What is the campus culture? What kind of person do you want to be? Because you're gonna be more than a degree, right? So think about who would you like to become and, um, and, and find a place that suits you. And if it is not necessarily a quote unquote Ivy or a big name thing, that's also okay. Um, and then what, uh, what was the second part that you had asked? Oh, just in general, like what can students expect going into college in terms of life and just responsibilities in general? Yeah, I mean, college is this big world that for I think for a lot of our students, um, it is going to be a huge, huge culture shock. Um, there are certain things that are in high school, like e even in our school. So for example, um, you may have a lot of teachers who are unwilling to share their political perspective or they don't tell you their age or you know that sort of stuff. There, there's a lot of protecting students in some ways, um, but you are not necessarily gonna get that in college. Um, people will be much more, you're gonna get a lot more robust opinions, which I think is the point of having a broad education is having exposure to those opinions and having the environment to really critically think and discuss those things. You're going to have access also to a lot of opportunities. Um, there's when, when I think about my college experience, yes, my classes were awesome. My teachers were wonderful. But the places where I really grew and got really amazing memories were from all the extracurricular stuff. And open yourself up to that. Be, be an involved student because that's going to make your life rich. Um, and fulfilling. Do the leadership camps. Go and present at these national conferences. Um, go to this place and maybe you're only going to this event because they have free pizza, but you know, you should go. Um, college is a time for people to redefine themselves and um, it, it should be a time that you really explore because now you're a legal adult um, and maybe in middle school and high school, you're under a lot of pressure and law of, under a lot of expectations. But as you become an adult, you have to learn how to self-manage a lot more. Um, so that's exciting. But I think that's also the part that a lot of people are unprepared for is how to be an independent adult. So I know we talked about greatness and everything. And while those might be goals um, for some people, I think everybody's goal should be to be an independent adult. Can you take care of yourself? Um, and that is a very complicated thing to do, but it's important to start that 
early. So, you know, if you can cook and all that stuff, learn how to take care of your bills, learn how to take care of a house. Um, but in college, that, that's also a really good time to practice that. Um, it's also a good time to learn to interact with a lot of different people. Think about um, who you want to surround yourself by. It's going to likely be a larger environment. So you're going to find more people who share more um, values with you and more interests with you. So definitely try things out. Um, know what the resources are. So. Typically, there's like a health center. There's there's all these services on campus that people don't utilize. You absolutely 100%. If if I could um, tell every everybody to do one thing, I'd be like, use the health services, <laughs> use all that stuff. Because outside of university, you're gonna have to pay for that on your own, and it's gonna be part of your job or whatever. Um, but those school services are so underutilized. So go to counselors. Go do this. Go do that. Um, and yeah, make the most of it by broadening your horizons when you're actually there. Yeah, and with that last bit of advice, that concludes the end of our advice section. And I think that we've all hopefully learned a bit from this and kind of know what to do now that we go into college because college is kind of like this huge step in our lives. And so yeah, thank you for your advice. <laughs> thank you all for having me and you know, keep learning. My, my advice is not the end all be all either. Um, I, I mean, honestly, like I'm a grown adult adult, <laughs> but I'm also still learning. And, and sometimes I don't feel like an adult. I'm convinced that most adults are just pretending to be an adult. <laughs> There's no switch that turns on that tells you like, okay, now, now you know what to do. It, it doesn't work that way. There are definitely times I look around and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm the one in charge. How, how did this happen? So um, just keep that in mind. Everyone is struggling. Everyone is learning and, um, and that's okay. Yeah. And with that, that concludes the end of our episode. So thank you so much to our interviewees for attending and being interviewed by us. Yeah. So we'll see you in our next episode. Thank you guys. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. We'd like to thank our guest speakers, Beach and Miss Fong, as well as Polly for editing and recording, Cheryl for performing the music that you are hearing right now, and Mila for scriptwriting and general moral support. We would also like to thank our English teacher for inspiring us to create this podcast. Last but not least, we'd like to thank our dedicated listeners for supporting us. See you in the next episode.